Hello and welcome to the Friday Reporter Podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Camuso-Miller. I'm a public affairs professional in Washington, D.C., and I interview members of the media about their background, about how they got into journalism, and lots of other topics. The Friday Reporter is a PR Daily podcast. Check out PR Daily for ideas, inspiration, and trends on all things public affairs and to find the Friday Reporter podcast. Well, thank you so much for joining us today for another episode of the Friday Reporter. Porter podcast. I am a little bit starstruck and a little bit excited as a now uh, seasoned public affairs person. But when I first started, when I had my first internship in the New Jersey Senate, and I'm almost certain it was 1995, I was trying to recall, uh, I would uh, be in charge of dropping off paper copies of press releases from the New Jersey Senate Republicans. Uh, And that was, boy, it was a long time ago. But one one of the recipients of these paper press releases was the Herb Jackson, who is my guest today, for the Friday Reporter podcast. Herb, thanks so much for being with me. Glad to do it. How are you doing? I'm great. I think it's so fun that here we are all these years later, sitting here in the the nation's capital or suburbs of the nation's capital, and we can talk about all the, boy, all the things that, that made us who we are today, having covered and having worked in uh, New Jersey politics. I had a previous guest who said that uh, he didn't go to graduate school because he felt as if his experience in uh, covering New Jersey politics was like a master's degree for him. Yeah, that was, that was actually a line that the editor of the Star Ledger used to use. You know, it would be like, you can get any degree you want, but you got to come here, you know, and learn to do it. Oh, man. And and I think the one thing that, that people forget, or not people like us, but plenty of people forget, is that there's an election every year. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. on cycle, off cycle, uh, we have elections for just about everything in the state. So it really does become a real masterclass in how to cover elections and politics uh, for a variety of reasons. But Herb, you started uh, you started your career in New Jersey covering uh, covering a variety of issues for for the home news, and then you know went to the Associated Press, worked at my hometown paper, the Asbury Park Press, and then landed at the Bergen record. And I, t- I say all that because uh, for you and me, we know that that literally is a travel up and down the turnpike and the parkway uh, in terms of coverage for the state. It's really vast. You've covered that that entire state. Tell me, how is it that, how'd you get started? Um, you know, it, I did the newspaper in high school. I went to high school in North Bergen. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I liked seeing my name, you know, and I like being able to do something and see it be finished and you had a product. Um, And then I went to Rutgers and I worked on, they had a college daily there. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was funny because like politics was like the 1981 election happened when I was at at Rutgers, you know, and we had, you know, we had Tom Kane and and Jim Florio come to campus and we would interview them, you know, and that kind of stuff. And, you know, that was the closest election in state history. I wasn't over for a couple of weeks, it was like it settled by about 1,700 votes. Um, wow. Jim Florio losing the two closest elections in history. I don't know how I could live with that. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it, so that got fun. And then, you know, I, 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 I got a job as an intern in Trenton for Channel 9 because mm-hmm. there was this political deal that Bill Bradley put in a bill that said if a station moves to a state that doesn't have a broadcast license, um, its license would be renewed 
uh, that doesn't have a VHF station, its license would be your news, lose its license for Channel 9 in New York. So they basically just moved their headquarters over to Sea Caucus yeah. and called themselves a New Jersey station. And then they started the, you know, we should cover the New Jersey news. So they set up a, a Trenton bureau, uh -huh. but there was a union fight between the Philadelphia and the New York locals over who would represent the, the, the crews in Trenton. So they couldn't have a crew assigned there. Mm -hmm. So they stuck me as the intern in the office all day. <laughs> and two days a week, a crew and a reporter would show up and do stories in Trenton, then go back to New York and edit them and broadcast there. But, you know, so I sat there and back in those days, you know, you had to have Channel 9 on all day. The Mets played on Channel 9. Yeah. The, uh, you know, the, the Chicago team still didn't play at night, so you usually got to see some Cubs games. You know, fun. <laughs> it was just fun. a very weird job to have <laughs> as your first job out of school. But, but, but the thing yeah. that the people, that for those that are listening who don't know this about uh, New the New Jersey, you know, media in general, is that those are the two media markets, New York and Philadelphia. There is no traditional DMA that covers New Jersey. There's a Trenton Bureau, but but really that is, it's, there's a turf war. And so I think that's what probably made your job even more fun and in my opinion is is because you were sort of part of a very small group of elite writers that were covering these like super political Thank partisan you. races yeah yeah i mean well the the, the, the ledger ruled for for many years mm -hmm. you know the, the ledger star ledger was the newark daily that you know had you know an, a huge trenton bureau they had like 20 people yep. um and they would do you know you would write these press releases down in the back of the state house mm -hmm. and bring them up to us. And then the star ledger would have reporters type them back in and put like six pages in the paper saying action in Trenton and every bill and every hearing got a story yeah. in the, in the daily newspaper. So legislators thought they were important because they got their name in the paper, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, no. And it was, uh, it was always such a fun time the state house itself is one of the oldest. I've, I've talked this about this a little bit in previous uh, episodes, but it's the oldest uh, still existing in business state house, where people are still doing the business of the state every day in this state house. Is that state house that was built in the? I mean, early early eighteen hundreds, right? The eighteen hundreds was the not maybe not early eighteen hundreds, but it was right at the time of the of, right. You know when everything was really happening. I mean, New Jersey really was uh, just at the forefront of American history. So for, you know, kids like us and reporters like yourself, it was, it felt really historic. I mean, the Supreme Court for New Jersey was across the hall from what is now press row, uh, from mm -hmm. what I, from what I recall. And that building, like you said, I mean, we were in the basement in the back in the annex uh, and we would, you know, hustle up the stairs to come find folks like you to, to care about our stories. I'll never forget the first press release I wrote. I used to have to get approval from the senators uh, for the quote that I wrote for them. And uh, I was told that I had to find um, who was then state Senator John Scott, who was known for being a gigantic personality. And here I am this young kid from Trenton state college <laughs> entrepreneurial asking him for, for approval on this quote. I was scared to death. <laughs> Such a, such an interesting time to be in the state house. Yeah, you could tell when you had quotes that were actually the senator speaking versus quotes written by people who had some communications experience. No doubt but, about uh, it. Yeah, but if the, the senators were an interesting group, I mean, I the, the things that 
you know, we saw them just do. I mean, I remember sitting, we, first of all, we could sit on the floor behind the senators while they were in session and voting. Yeah. And I remember, you know, Sharp James was the mayor of Newark and, you know, was a political pow- political boss for North Jersey and mm-hmm. things like that. And there was some bill, there was some u- pension thing for the police. And as a mayor of the state's largest city, he was saying, this is a bad bill, this is a bad bill, don't vote for it. And he's watching, and as soon as it got up to 21, he pushed his green light because why be against it and have the union mad at me if it was going to pass anyway? Right. And and it was just like, you know, we just watched you do that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's almost insulting. Like, we did just see that, right? <laughs> <laughs> so it was it, 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 that I miss that kind of access here because you you know this is what's happening behind the closed doors in Washington. Yeah. You don't get to see it that often. I mean, maybe you got to see, you know, just recently you got to see, you know, uh, Senator Gillibrand go off on uh, Senator Reid about the sexual assault in the military bill mm-hmm. that happened on the floor because she couldn't get a, you know, a unanimous consent. I mean, how often do you see a Democratic senator trying to get unanimous consent on the bill and the objector is a Democratic senator? Mm-hmm. You know, the committee. Not chair. often. And, Not you know, often. And she's a subcommittee chair. Right. That was that was an interesting maneuver. But, you know, you, you don't often see that kind of dynamic in front of you. And when you have seen it, you know that they're state, they're the same people. You That's know, they're right. not just because they have more constituents and, and a bigger paycheck doesn't mean that they don't behave the same way other politicians do. Yeah. And that was the cool thing about in, in the state house, especially was that, you know, the, the transactions between Republicans and Democrats even were, were a lot of fun. I mean, we would fight it out on the floor of the Senate and the, and the assembly and behind the scenes in, in caucus um, conference meetings. But then we'd all meet up at Lorenzo's and have a beer. You know, there was like this really sort of like it was collegial. Right. And that's the one thing that I think I probably miss the most about those times is that because it wasn't just legislators, it was people like you and colleagues and others. We'd all do the work and the stories would get put to bed and then we'd go out and we'd, we'd, you know, we'd collect and we'd celebrate that the day was through and we were on to another fight. But it was to me. um, We also had the news cycle ended and we could actually have a softball team and go play softball. Right. You know, because yeah. you before the daylight ended, you know, you could do things because, all right, we got that story or it would. I mean, when I first started, the News Tribune and the Home News were the two papers in Middlesex County. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the reporter for the News Tribune would get we get a late press release from the state senator from Edison. And she'd come down to my office and say, you are not writing this Patterniti release. I have a date tonight. And I'd say, <laughs> Okay, we'll do okay. it tomorrow. Tomorrow, you know, tomorrow's as another long day. As you don't do it, and I don't do it. It didn't happen. That's right. I know, and those are. I mean, and that is really th- that. Over the course of time, in the time since you know, I was walking that that woven hallway of very old carpet. Um, it, it's changed dramatically. All, everything that we do is so different. And so, what's so cool to me is that you know. Folks like yourself, folks like me, we we saw an opportunity. Um, Trenton was changing; things were changing in the state house, and you know we. Pro- it feels very cyclical. It feels like you're sort of covering. It's Groundhog Day after a while. You're covering the same mm-hmm. things over and over, and so you and I at that time, right around the same time, really came here to DC. You picked up your your laptop and worked it out with your um, team that you would come down here and write for the Bergen Record in Washington D.C. Um, but tell me a little bit about how that transition came to happen and how um, how much that change must have been for you. 
Well, part of it was, you know, first of all, technology made it possible to report from anywhere. You know, with an air card, you could file. Mm -hmm. Um, You didn't have to have a desk with a phone line and certain, you know, other, you know, things. But, But it was also, you know, we were very bad at covering Congress. I, I had pointed out to my editor, I was making a pitch to let me move after we got these laptops to cover the 2004 conventions. And, and I said, give me one of those bags and I'll move to Washington. Because, you know, if you looked at the coverage we had for the 2004, for, for the members of Congress going into the 2004 election, 80% of it was they announced something. Mm-hmm. And the rest of it was some major thing happened where we had to put a reporter on the phone and get quotes from all the congressmen. But we were never watching what they were doing every day. Yeah. You know, we never watched the stuff happen as it happened and then watched how people, you know, for example, for me, this 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 culminated in, in sort of in 2017, watching like Rodney Freelingheisen decide how to vote on the Obamacare repeal, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and, and on the tax bill, you know, which the state and local tax deduction cap that they put in the tax bill was clearly designed to hurt New York and New Jersey and Connecticut and yeah. all those blue states. And, you know, Kevin Brady at the Ways and Means Committee, they were going to stick it to those states. And so you had Republican members like Leonard Glantz having to figure out where they were going to be because it was really going to hurt his district, yes. you know, and, but it was going to be the signature policy of the Republican Congress, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So, and, and, and it was too bad because, you know, like Leonard voted against it and still got defeated in 2018. Right. I most of the, many of the members of the house from New Jersey, when I got here, I had covered when they were state legislators. Right. Um, so I did, to have a relationship a little of with some somebody like Frank Lobiondo, I didn't really know because he was down all the way down in Atlanta County. And he'd been uh, here for that a long was time. Not somewhere I covered, but yeah. you know, we covered him because he was the sponsor of the assault weapons ban repeal. Mm-hmm. So he was a, he was a big figure in the state assembly before he came to Washington. Right. So you know, you got to know some of these people, and they also appreciated that if they told you something about this is important to the people in Seabright, you understood what Seabright is, that it's a, this big little narrow spit of land that sits between a bay and the ocean. You mm-hmm. know, they, they, they appreciated that they didn't have to explain to you the, the, the dynamics of what they were worried about with a piece of the flood insurance law, you know? And I so think that that's the, symbiotic that way. That's it, the, the, the challenge that they suffer always, Never mind your political affiliation, the, the, the delegation, New Jersey delegation, really does much like the the news, you know, the the Democratic market that is New Jersey. It's difficult to get news uh, for for New Jersey politicians now. Not if maybe not if you're uh, Senator Menendez. Maybe if you're not if you're uh, John Corzine. I, I think what's cool about your timing too is that when John Corzine left the Senate and went back to Trenton, you left Trenton and came here to Washington, D.C., and that was also a great opportunity to cover sort of how that transition had changed, what that looks like now, what's this look like with um, Cory Booker coming into the Senate. So there's been a lot of cool transition from well, New Jersey. I, I'm still amazed that, like, Bob Menendez is, like, 30-something in seniority in the Senate, you know, and it seems like he only just got there. Now, I guess I'm, the older I get, the more things seem like they just ha- happen, but, <laughs> you know, but it, but it does seem like for a while you know, you had to wait, you used to have to wait like three cycles to be a subcommittee chair, you know, and now I think 
I think Mark Kelly has a subcommittee. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. So it's it's a very different time in terms of leadership and 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 power. How how they let people you know move up and what they see is important because there's this nationalization of issues that you know you have to be the one that gets on Maddow or something like right. that if you want if you're on cycle you know mm-hmm. you want to be the one that. So suddenly Michael Bennett is popping up on MSNBC all the time because Michael Bennett is on, well, Michael Bennett did try to run for president, right? <laughs> but, but he is on cycle, you know, right. so he's the one who's, who's more likely to be appearing on, on a cable show. Yeah. You know? yeah. He was doing some live chat with Chuck Todd for Meet the Press Live in a, in a van with Hickenlooper in the back seat last week, wow. you know, <laughs> as they were talking about the, 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 the sorry, I, I just dated us, didn't I? Yep. Uh, as they were talking about the, 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 the January 6th commission being defeated, he's right. doing, we're riding to the airport, the two Colorado centers, but I'll do a video chat with live TV. Which is really cool. I mean, and and that's to your point. I mean, the technology in general, since the time we sort of arrived on the scene here in D.C., has transformed everything that we do. It's transformed reporting. It's transformed, uh, you know, the way public affairs people interact with and work with media. It's transformed everything. But how for you, Herb, because you cover Capitol Hill, because so, okay, so, you know, all that to say is, you know, you were at the Bergen Record when you came here to town. Now you work for CQ Roll Call, which is the paper of record for Capitol Hill. I mean, everybody, re- for those who aren't Washington, D.C. people, if you're not reading CQ Roll Call every day, you probably don't have a good understanding of what's happening inside the Capitol. So where you are now is really at the center of what's going on. And folks really have to digest the coverage that you guys pump out every day. Um, tell me a little bit about how that transition happened. And then tell me a little bit about how your life has changed during the pandemic. Yeah, well, first of all, it's an amazing newsroom, because we have a policy crew who, you know, have 20 years covering the Pentagon and stuff like that, you know, like, the, the people who are who have some of the policy beats in our newsroom have seen all of these issues. Our budget team, you know, have seen all of these issues through cycles, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, you know, like budget day is a big day in the CQ rule, newsroom because everybody has to get their little piece of the budget. And we have like a whole memo that comes out and says, this is what your slugs are going to be. And here's what the deadlines are to get the ag story and the HUD story. And, you know, and, you know, it's it's the one place I'm hoping for our clients because that's one of the big differences. Is I don't necessarily have readers; we have clients now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, that the clients are expecting this to be the place they can find that stuff. Yeah, you know, and it, it, but it's also you know, it's it's more. We don't we don't have papers on the weekend. You know, yeah. Friday used to be in the daily newspaper business hell because you had papers on Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. Mm-hmm. You know, and Half the time you were you were trying to finish a large piece for Sunday when something else would break because public affairs people thought it was a good idea to drop the bad news on Friday afternoon. Sorry, I believe somebody <laughs> would do that. Terrible. You know, uh, so then you had to draw, you had to finish your spot your breaking story your, your 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 enterprise piece to do a breaking story for Saturday's paper which nobody read. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, and and you know, now it's like. All right, well, we have a roll call on Tuesday, so mm-hmm. maybe we hold that until we put it up online on CQ on Monday, and then we publish it on roll, in roll call on Tuesday and put it online Tuesday afternoon, Tuesday afternoon on roll call because 
roll call is free and CQ isn't, you right. know, uh, so people want to see someplace. So we, we, those are decisions that I've got to make. Now, my team, I'm covering the, I've got the campaigns team. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we are, we've been doing, you know, like all the little special elections and the different people, you know, we tried to, we would have, we would have killed ourselves if we decided not to just try to compete on the presidential race, but right. we, we live on, on the Hill. So, you know, Mo Brooks wants to be a Senator. Let's look at that. You know, we've got two, a sitting house member and a former house member running against each other for the primary in North Carolina for, for Richard Burr's seat. Mm-hmm. You know, we, what's the difference of them? And then we have, we have all this CQ data, like how have they voted? You know, They've been, they sat in the same house chamber for a long time. You know, did, did Mark Walker and, you know, do something different? You know, that kind of stuff is, is the kinds of stories that certainly no reporters in North Carolina are going to have the resources to do. Right. Right. When, you know, when Liz Cheney and Elise Stefanik were up against each other, we could show on a chart how often Elise Stefanik broke with the Republicans on vote during the Trump administration, Mm -hmm. you know? Uh, versus Cheney, who was in leadership and was, you know, among the 99 percentile, you know. So it's the kind of data, you know, that you have access to, and it's the kind of expertise that you have access to, that when you're a one-person bureau down here, you know, it's no lie, I would suddenly have to cover a topic that I knew nothing about, and the first thing I would do was go to the press club where the library had a subscription to CQ mm-hmm. and read CQ about that subject. I believe it. Be- you know, because that's how I could get up to speed. I could get it in 1,200 words or maybe from a 6,000-word CQ magazine before we stopped having the magazine. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you get an in-depth education, great sources, you know, and, and some analysis, you know, that you, right. you really couldn't find if you were just Googling. That's, no, that's the way it was. Yeah, no, and it, it can give you a very quick understanding of the topic. I know that when I was on the Hill, so I, you know, I came here and worked for the administration for a while, and then I landed on Capitol Hill. And and the the case that I made was working in the governor's office in New Jersey is a lot like working on Capitol Hill because there was sort of this insistence that like if you haven't worked on the Hill, you certainly shouldn't be parachuting into the Speaker's office. But I was lucky enough to have a couple of folks that recognized that New Jersey politics was, in fact, the uh, the schooling that it was. But when I arrived, because there is so much procedural uh, you know, knowledge that you need to understand. The one thing I would do every day is I would try to read CQ roll call because or CQ at the time, and I would read Congress Daily AM and PM because that's really those were those insider publications where, like you said, they've got just these extraordinary teams at the time, and and now it's really CQ where you go for this. Is there is this extraordinary team of brilliant policy and procedural uh, experts that can help you understand it. And, you know, look, nobody in North Carolina needs to know all of that. But for someone like you who has to write about it, who has to be accurate, who has to tell it the right way, you have to know all that in order to get the story right. So that's, um, it's fun for me to see you now be there because it's just a great, uh, like I said, it's, it's a, it's a must read for folks who are trying to pay attention to what's going on in the Hill. Um, And then, were you guys, have you been in the office now uh, while we were out on quarantine? Are you, have you been working from home? How's that look for you? Well, I actually, when I moved here, I set up a home office. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one of the things I, I, I the, the record bought me one of those nice air on office chairs. 
you know? Nice. And then the record sold the paper to another company that then early retired me. And they didn't ask for the chair back. So I had a good office set up <laughs> here at home. Awesome. You were um, ready for it. Already. You know, all I had to do was like go in, you know, get the special approval to go in and t- get the 12 inch TV off of my desk and go buy another cable box from, from Xfinity and mm-hmm. you know, get that set up. But no, I've been, I've been working back in this office, um, uh, and we only just, uh, you know, uh, recently allowed people on a volunteer basis to go back into the office. We have, we've been told no one's going to be required to come back to the office before September. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, and, but I think, I mean, we're, we've been working, we're not always in the same room anyway, because when we could travel, a lot of our reporters would actually try to go out and cover. They might have been down in 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 you know Albuquerque for the the special election in the district in yeah, the first district in New Mexico. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and and you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to you know being able to do that again. There's going to be some really interesting races this you know this cycle. Uh, you know, and everything is so close that you know. We we can't we've we've got to on the house side we've got to wait until they do the maps, mm-hmm. but on the Senate side, you know, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, you know, all of these states, Florida, you know, they're they're going to be some interesting races there, uh, and there's people, you know, that we want to see in in action, you know. So, I mean, I don't know that we'll be doing the Iowa caucuses, but mm-hmm. you know, or, or the Iowa State Fair, yeah, uh, but. You know, but, but we're going to be we're going to be trying to get out, and hopefully they didn't eliminate the travel budget while we weren't moving. Uh, but uh, you know, it, it it's it's a definite opportunity now that we've also worked out a lot of like technology parts. That's you know, right. like you know Google Docs and how to be in the same document for three people at the same time. Mm-hmm. You know, it used to be we would all sit near each other. You know, yep. so yep. yeah. Um, or email it back and forth, whereas now we have all these great yeah, collaborative tools okay. we can use. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, that's great. And so um, while you've been home, uh, our Yankees have been, well, they are on the struggle bus. But are you, uh, are you getting out? Are you going to Nats Park? I mean, what kinds of things are, you know, now that it feels like we are towards the, uh, at least we're sort of seeing the light at the end of the tunnel, what kinds of things are you uh, doing on the weekends? What's keeping you busy? What's what's what do you do in your spare time? Well, I I do have my my MLB subscription and and you know go sit on the roof and listen to the you know John Sterling mm-hmm. and uh, you know that that kind of thing is good. Uh, haven't gotten into. I mean, we we actually sat in a restaurant last week, my wife and I. Uh, <clears throat> this is you know, right before Memorial Day, yeah. but it was, you know, it was weird. <laughs> you know, it we is. were not ready to do that until we were mm-hmm. fully fully vaccinated. Yeah. Um, you know, and I did actually get on a bus and things like that, but no, I, I'm sure that things will be loosening up a bit. Um, you know, the, the thing about this town is I like just, you know, we live near DuPont. I just like getting on a walk and walking in one direction for 25 minutes and seeing where I end up, yeah. you know? Oh yeah, um, there's so many great places you can you can drop into it, or be part of. It, yeah, because there's something going on somewhere. Mm-hmm. Always, uh, and I'm sure it's. I mean, I'm hoping we don't go too crazy too fast and see the numbers in back up. Right. It did make me nervous seeing like 
big crowds at the Kentucky Derby and big yeah. crowds, Jason Phil Mickelson down the fairway. Um, I, I worry about people like yeah. that, but I do you too. Know. I do too. But yeah, I mean, we will take what comes, I guess. Totally. Oh yeah. No, I mean, yeah. Just sitting outside is such a treat, except, you know, there's the dodging of the cicadas. There's a whole thing that goes on in Washington. That's like, it's a total cycle. Um, but yeah, so that's to me, the one thing I love about DC too, is that, you know, as much as I uh, grew up at the, at the beach in New Jersey and, and we always went to the, we always went to the beach on the weekends and stuff. There's just so much cool stuff to do here in town between the museums. Oh, I was a well. I was an Asbury Park kid. I, I grew up in uh, in Ocean Township, which was right next door to Asbury okay. Park. So we used to go there, and we used to spend some time in Mammoth Beach. So right there, not that far from New York, really, an hour outside of the city. Sure. So, yeah. but we used to yeah, do we, a lot we, of time. We had a long time family connection to Spring Lake for mm-hmm. some reason. That, My husband you know, and I were married there. Well, we had so, our reception there anyway. Ah yes. Okay, at the Breakers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well. Aha, yeah. There you go. All right. <laughs> See, our, our 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 reception was at the Parker House in Seager. Uh, See, there you go. Oh, I so, love the Parker House. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> but yeah. So so we still. I have five brothers and sisters, and we still like rent a house in September and try to get up there when we can. Yeah. You know, Same. That's after the kids go back to school. The beach is still. Oh yeah, the beaches. In fact, that's what they call now. It wasn't called that then, but they call it now. They call it local summer. You know, where like yeah. kids like us would go, would go. You know, after the kids went back to school, and we go down the beach and we'd hang out. Um, but yeah, it was a great time. But I think that you know, even though we threaten always to like, oh, let's just pick up and we'll move back to New Jersey. Uh, DC has so much fun stuff. So I'm glad to hear that you guys are are where you are. Yeah, Dupont you don't is want such to pay a cool the property taxes either. No, yeah, I mean. no thanks. <laughs> no, and they're not. They're never going down. Uh, so Herb, my last question for the podcast is always, um, I ask my guests and I'll ask you now for a recommendation for a future guest for the podcast. Who would you most like to hear from? Well, you should get the remaining part of the New Jersey press corps, uh, which is John Salant, who works for New Jersey advanced media, which is the, you know, the name brand on, on star ledger content now, or John Tamari, who works for the Philly Inquirer. So, uh, you know, they, they were, they were the guy, the three of us were the ones who would basically be, you know, hanging out outside Cory Booker's office, waiting for him to come out to give us a quote. You know? I love that. So I love um, that. I'll reach out to both of them. I'll tell them that you recommended them. Absolutely. Yeah. I'll, I'll give you their contact info. I love it. Herb, thank you so much for joining me today for an episode of the podcast. It was really fun to catch up. I'm looking forward sure. to seeing you at a baseball game again soon. And, uh, yeah. thanks again. All right. Bye-bye. And that's today's Friday Reporter Podcast, a podcast in partnership with PR Daily, a tremendous and helpful guide for all things public relations. Find us there on their website and join us again for another episode soon. On the morning of August 1st, 1966, shots ring out from the observation deck of the clock tower on the University of Texas campus. It marks the infamous beginning of the modern era of mass shootings in America. You're listening to Stop the Killing podcast. Join us as we take you behind the crime scene tape to explain global mass shootings and mass attacks. I'm Sarah Ferris, but more importantly, this is Catherine Schweitz, the former head of the FBI's active shooter program. I spent five years as the FBI's top executive looking for answers to the mass shooting crisis. I've been at the shooting scenes. I've traced heroic acts of bravery and I've sat silently and listened to the heart-wrenching stories from survivors. Amongst this horror, there is hope. 
We all hold the key to stop the killing. You just need to know how to unlock the door. Download Stop the Killing and be part of the solution. Search Stop the Killing on Apple, Spotify and all the usual suspects.